Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about Manchester United and their three shots all game. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, no Psalm today, obviously. Um, So it's just me and Andres here. And Andres, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I'm frustrated and I'm also a little drunk. So, uh, <laughs> see it, but I'm drinking a scotch right now. I'm drinking my pain away. Felt like a loss. So I'm going to pass off the hosting duties to you this week since you're the mo- more uh, co- coherent one. Uh, <laughs> and then hopefully well, as the show goes on, I'll sober up. Well, first off, I think it's time for us to change our little slogan to uh, Club of the Year Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Uh, we won Club of the Year today at the Ballon d'Or Awards, so that was pretty sick. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Messi won another Ballon d'Or uh, just because, for no particular reason. They're like, hey, <laughs> let's just give it to him. All the other ones were earned, so we might as well just give him one for free. Bullshit, but okay. Yeah, the awards, I, I don't care enough about the individual awards anymore it's all politics he won a cup with argentina which completely discredits everything robert Lewandowski has done for two seasons but again this is a chelsea podcast so we'll get back right into the man united match review it was 1-1 at the bridge this sunday and chelsea came out with a lineup with uh yashin award nominee edward mendy Back three of Trevo Chalaba, Thiago Silva, and Antonio Rudiger. Uh, at right wing back, we had Reese James. Double pivot, including RLC and Jorginho. Left wing back, Alonso. And a front three of Ziyech, Werner, and Cho. And with very late sub appearances, we had Pulisic, Mount, and Lukaku. Now, Zach, you mentioned your frustration. Um, you're not the only one. We have a question here. I think it, I believe it's a first time question from Huey nine eight seven five eight. Huey's Huey's an OG. He's been around. Oh, I think. Awesome. Okay. Usually yeah. Psalm is the one that keeps track of this. So Huey, my <laughs> apologies. But he says, I'm not downhearted. We played well. We still look like a proper team where everyone knows the system and their job. My question is, do you agree that only four of the starting that only four of the starting lineup is in our best 11. Um, I guess I'm trying to figure out who the four are, and I'm going to take a wild stab here and say that it's Mendy, Thiago Silva, Rudiger, and James. I think there's more than four. Yeah. I'd, I, I'd I, consider Jorginho's in our... His four are. Yeah. I mean... To be fair, I thought the four initially when I read the question was our back three and Mendy. Um, but then I forgot about Jorginho and Reese James. Here's the thing. We have we've been playing a lot of fixtures lately. Obviously, we haven't even begin or begun to dive into the actual meat of the winter fixture season. So matches are gonna come thick and fast. We do have another one on Wednesday. I think I think he we asked this question because we saw a lot of lineup changes from uh, the team that we saw against Juventus. And yeah, I mean, it's a matter of rotation. And we're blessed to have a team that has depth. As depressed as I am about the result, Andres, I am going to kind of think about this glass half full because we did absolutely batter Man United for 90 minutes. Um, if it wasn't for one stupid mistake from Jorginho, which is an anomaly, and and I'm not down on Jorginho at all. Let's just get that across. So if you thought I was going to shit on him, might as well turn this podcast <laughs> off. But um, if it wasn't for that one stupid mistake, we'd be having a, a, a way different conversation. My frustration lies with particular players, not necessarily the team. So I don't think the team performed yeah. terribly on a day. I think we did enough to win. Yeah, and, and to go quickly right back to the question um... – I think, yeah, this isn't our strongest 11. You don't have Chilwell. You don't have Conte. Um, you can make an argument for the right center back spot. It's a preference between, you know, on form, it's probably Chalaba, but Christensen could do a job there. Aspie could do a job there. And then the front three is a completely different front three. And that one is, is you know, where it gets tricky. Lukaku in the middle, 
but then who do you have to his sides outside of Mount? So, yeah, I agree that this isn't our strongest 11, and I think Huey's point is that when you play Manchester United, shouldn't you be putting out your best 11? I guess that's how I wanted to rephrase the question for you, because I, I'm kind of with him. You play yeah. the big players in the big game. I don't care what the rotation looks like. We don't need to be resting players for Watford midweek. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I was talking to my uncle after the game, and he, he's a Man City fan. He's an old, he's like, I think he's 82 or 83 now. The guy's been watching soccer his whole life. And he said the same thing. He said, you know, as a coach, you have to put your best players out there on the biggest stages, regardless of fatigue or whatnot. Um, you just got to put your most talent out on the field. Now, at the same time, you can make the argument the other way around. Look what Man United did. They sat down their best player and they got a result. So it does go both ways. I think in a match like this, I do agree with Huey in the sense, and you, Andres, in the sense that you do got to kind of play your best players. But at the same time, we have so many of our best players either injured or not in any sort of form like Mason Mount, like a Lukaku. Um, I mean, the only argument I would really make with this starting 11 would be starting Pulisic maybe instead of Werner and having a more fluid front three. Um, I think he could have made an impact. But outside of that, I wasn't too fussed with the lineup. It was pretty predictable, actually. We knew ROLC was going to get a start. Um, yeah. I, I think with, the front three was hurt. just the question mark. Yeah. And, and I mean, with Chilwell's diagnosis we knew Alonso would be the immediate plug-and-play kind of solution there um I I was honestly surprised that Lukaku didn't start here because I felt like he was rested against Juventus on purpose but we'll get to the striker situation later I actually want to bring up before we get into the match itself I want to bring up Anthony Taylor because we spent a while talking about what we thought would be the biggest issue in this match, which is not in the United player, but the referee who is a United fan. Now, much to my surprise, I have nothing bad to say about Anthony Taylor. Yeah, there wasn't really any moments where we put the game in his hands, which which I think, and I said this last week, I think that's the message that Tuchel was going to give to the players. is like, hey, do enough out there to the point where the referee won't be an issue. Um, again, you know, I think we did enough to win the game, but I, I look, it, it's a positive that we're not talking about Anthony Taylor. I guess that's what I'm trying to say <laughs> for once in our lives. Yeah. I mean, you say we didn't give him, he could have easily not given the pen if he was a big it was dickhead, a pen, but it was, it was an obviously, it was an obvious pen, but the commentary didn't think I, it was a pen though on NBC or on uh, whoever was commentating they, on Peacock. Yeah, they thought it was like a off the ball, like I don't know. I thought it was off that they were thinking it wasn't. But when then is again, kicking someone in the box not a pen? <laughs> I don't know anymore, man. It, it's everything is so back and forth. It's a handball. It's not a handball. It's. Ronaldo was 10 yards offside, but they played it on. So I and they mean, gave hey, him a corner. Completely yeah. changed the flow of the game. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. But for me, it's a, it's a win when Anthony Taylor didn't alter the game with a decision. I thought he was fair. I thought that he was giving yellow cards to the United players when they were necessary. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I was a, it was a pleasant surprise. Maybe it was the fact that we were playing at the bridge. But regardless, I'll take it. Um, but yeah, again, Anthony Taylor, not being the headline, always a win. Now I, I wanted to bring up and Psalm is actually not here cause he's grieving the Chilwell situation. That's the real reason he's <laughs> a big chili train guy. His absence was pretty obvious. Um, Alonzo started, he was okay. Not great. Not awful. My my question to you is this, and I know it's one performance, but we do this because we like to talk football. Did Alonzo do enough, or do you do you think like a performance like that is going to make Tuchel think that he's going to have to experiment with that left wing back position? Alonzo wasn't really the issue for me. Now, yeah, I mean, I guess he could have done more. 
uh, we usually expect to see Alonzo uh, have more of an impact offensively. Um, defensively, there's really nothing to say. He didn't have much to do. He didn't really make any mistakes. I, th- that's another thing, Andres. I know it's a little off topic, but another glass half full statement here. The back three made did absolutely nothing wrong. I think if Tiago Silva looks at his, you know, to both sides of him, he's performances all around. Maybe not so much with Edward Mendy, but I think Alonso, you throw him in that mix. He didn't really put a foot wrong. In terms of experimenting, outside of maybe playing Dave as a left wing back, I don't think there will be much. We saw Reese James slide to left wing back at the end of this game, which I thought was interesting. And and that makes sense. Um I like the idea of Reese cutting inside to his right foot because he's so good at playing that bending ball far post. Same similar ball to what we saw Willian uh, score a lot of goals with offset pieces, where he just kind of plays a ball into that back post, and if nobody makes a play at it, it's it's going in. Um, we saw him cut back on that right side and play a really good ball into Lukaku late in the game, and he just missed it. Maybe if Lukaku's in form, he times his run better. But for me, the more frustrating thing, Andres, in terms of the wingback situation is in this game in particular, when either wing back off the ball, there didn't seem to be any sort of anticipation that it was going to get played in uh, for someone to, you know, attack one of our one of our strikers. And that was a frustrating part. I thought Reese James and Alonzo both delivered. I mean, not so much Alonzo, but more Reese James would deliver a ball into the box and there would be nobody there or it would be just Timo. But I mean, what what, what good does that do? The guy's allergic to scoring <laughs> goals. So. I don't think outside of Dave and Reese James, I don't really know. Um, I, I mean, I I think he's gonna. We're gonna see a lot of trial and error in this yeah. position. I don't think. I I think Alonzo, based on how we've been playing with the wingbacks, I think Alonzo did what Alonzo wanted. I didn't see him doing the the whole switching with the outside 10 and being more central. I didn't see much of that. I just saw Alonzo up the left wing. I don't know if that was by instruction to simple it down, but you're right. He didn't put he didn't do something wrong, but the build up, the movement obviously I'm not saying like Alonzo turned into Chilwell, but it definitely felt like the team had gotten used to the whole inverted wing back situation. And that's why I think Tuchel is going to be open to to trying things out. I don't think you shift Reese to the left and, and hamper his situation, but Aspie, like you mentioned, could could go there. Saul did it at Atletico. If we're going to try to make this loan be worth our while, hmm. I Get don't want to see that. Yeah, the the thing I don't want to see is Cho at left wing back, Polisic at left wing back as a starting option. Like, that's the last thing I want to see at this point. Um, and I hope we can find a solution because I also don't want to buy a player at any point in January that is a short-term fix. I think we're way past that as a club. Like, if, if you're running out of alternatives, I'm sure some kid in the academy can do a job at left wing back if necessary. So. I mean- that's why I was proposing that question, I guess. I mean, theoretically, this would be a good time for uh, Tuchel to maybe even experiment with a back four. I mean, who's to say that Trevor Chalaba can't play as either a right or a left back? I mean, he's athletic enough. He's comfortable enough on the ball. I mean, w- here's the thing. We're going to have to figure things out either way, um, whether that's a formation change or sliding a player into that side that's you know not necessarily a natural fit for the position who knows, but I'm kind of like you, Andres, you know, I changed my tune a bit because I remember last week I mentioned to you in a text message that I'd like to buy a backup. Um, but the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm thinking about the prior backups that we bought, Danny Drinkwater, Zappacosta, um, Ross Barkley, just thinking, okay, might not be the best idea ever. Um, and the fact that we're still trying to get rid of those same guys. I mean, yeah. Emerson is on loan at Leon. Like he's not even gone for good. Like mm-hmm. making those short-sighted purchases that you know aren't a long-term target and such are only going to hinder your ability in the future. So that's why I kind of wanted to ask that. I mean, <laughs> I don't think you buy Tino Livramento from Southampton back to put him at the left wing back position. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm open. 
I'm open to anything that's internal, I guess, is, is kind of how I see that that position playing out. Yeah. Now, earlier, you mentioned that there was no service into one Timo Werner. And honestly, it was just a bad, bad outing for the guy. I Like I said, I wanted Lukaku to start, but Tuchel had come out in an interview saying that with the Juventus goal he scored and the last two or three days of practice leading up to the match, he was kind of on fire. He decided that that Timo was in form and, and would just continue that run. But that was not the case. I The only times I remember Timo having the ball were the blatant miss off the corner. And the other time I, I remember is when Cho didn't square it to him for a tap-in. Yeah. That, that's really all I remember Timo for in this match. And honestly, when we have 70% of possession and like 13 chances created, I expect to be talking about our striker in a positive light. Yeah. Um, what, what, what do you do with Timo Werner? I think that's the question. Um, the guys come in. I mean, he, he we, we've seen him now under two different managers. He's played in different systems and different positions. I think one thing's clear. He's not a striker. He can't lead the line. Um, if you want to talk about his pace and his movement off the ball, okay, that's fine. But let's talk about his ability with the back to goal. Like Andres said, most teams are going to be like Manchester United or Burnley for that matter, because let's not kid ourselves. Manchester United basically employed the Sean Dyche tactic against us. It doesn't make sense to play the guy. Um, you want to talk about a heavy touch. You want to talk about a player short on confidence. You want to talk about a guy that doesn't know how to shoot the ball early um, or first time or even second or third time for that matter. It's it's just it's been frustrating. And I know the general tune around Timo has been supportive. And look, we all want him to succeed, but. Andres, I, I, he's he's just not Chelsea quality, and it's not it's not shitting on the guy. I I love him. I think his personality is great. He's a, he seems like a fun character, and he's a hard worker. That's something you can never take away from him. He, you know, he, he's always putting in a shift. But yeah, I mean, it's there's just a reason Mishibashiwa is not here anymore. You know, it's the same idea. The guy had yeah. six shots in this game, four of them blocked, two missed the target, like. You pay the the strikers to put the ball in the net, and Timo's not even hitting the frame at this point. I, yeah, he's a like you said, his ethic, work ethic isn't put in doubt. His work off the ball is not put in doubt. It's just the quality. I was no quality. I was never expecting. I was never expecting him to put the ball in the back of the net. Unfortunately, as much as I would have cheered for him to, it's one of those things where it's like I I want Timo to do well, but then when it comes down to it. It's almost like uh, I I don't expect him to. It's almost the opposite of the Ziyech situation where we criticized Ziyech in the beginning for looking like he didn't give a shit and being this predictable player. And now all of a sudden he's getting to playing time. He's putting in shifts and he's actually influencing games in a positive light. I felt bad for Ziyech more than anybody in this game, Andres, because this guy's coming off of two assists in his last two games. If he had a striker like Lukaku out on the pitch, he probably gets another assist or at least a chance at one. And with Timo out there, it just didn't seem like there was anything going on. I think if you want to talk about his breakaway pace and peeling in behind, you know, uh, uh, or, or, or splitting center backs or pulling center backs out of position just like he did in a Champions League final, that's great. But realistically, at a team like Chelsea right now, how many teams are we going to play against like that? Only Manchester City. We didn't even play Liverpool like that. Yeah. When we played Liverpool, we pressed the shit out of them and smothered them. Probably would have taken them three, three or four, one, but, uh, until we got the red card. And yeah, it, it just stinks. I, I don't, I don't know what to do with him other than sit him on the bench and you know play him when teams are playing a high line at the end of matches. Other than that, I don't want to see him start, whether it's at striker or even at the wing, because that's another thing we haven't talked about either is, you know, this is only him as a striker. When he's a winger, Andres, the only thing we're talking about is his work ethic. He can't dribble players. When he faces goal, his only option is to find a, cross, a pass or a cross. 
he's too afraid to shoot and he's too afraid to take people on it's it's frustrating and and honestly that's the reason why i'm drinking (laughs) because (laughs) we have a situation like that where and and this is something i know it's not in a script but i do want to talk about it the substitutions this was a more than i what's a word stronger than frustrated take your pick that's what i was appalled at the substitutions yeah why did tommy t wait so long i thought we were going to see a move at the half or maybe even after the first 10 minutes give team until 55 or 60 and if it's not working take his ass off and throw on kai or lukaku whoever you know if lukaku wasn't fully fit or whatever it just seemed like tuchel wanted to ride with him and said you know what i'm just going to live with the results here but for me that performance has to be the last straw you gave him the chance to perform in a big match with big minutes and the guy didn't do it. Instead, he continued doing the same thing that he's been doing since he got here. It's just, again, I like him. And I'm I'm not talking shit about him as a person. I think he'll benefit certain teams, but not at the top level. Nowhere near. Yeah, and, and you mentioning the subs, that's honestly my big frustration with this situation. Because Lukaku's on the, ba- the bench. And... 10, 15 minutes against a team in the pre- in the deep block isn't going to be enough for a striker to get a feel for the game. Now, that's where I, I kind of just get upset with, with this whole situation. Tuchel knows he needs a striker. He gets Lukaku in the summer. And then he plays trash time against United. Like, these are matches, like you said, it's frustrating because it's in the palm of your hands. You have all this possession you have the chances you created you don't put away the chances and then when you have the tools in your kind of tool belt to to put out some great substitutions to make an impact on a team that's accumulated a bunch of yellows is looking just to get a draw why not do it earlier like where is the the ruthlessness from last year where tammy would get pulled at halftime and it wasn't even for somebody like lukaku Tammy was getting pulled for players that don't play striker. So where's the logic here where we pay 90 million for the highest goal scorer or highest goal contributor in Syria, a Ballon d'Or nominee to do nothing. And, and that's where my frustration is. Lukaku is healthy. He was, we took our sweet time to let him come back. And yes, we played well without him, but today it's like this match was not a match that said, oh, we don't need Lukaku. Like this it, is, it just wasn't it. This is the match where we bought Lukaku. Why we bought Lukaku. These are the matches where we're and, creating a bunch of chances and it's not working. We need a striker to call pull me, us out. And call me like an idiot for thinking this should have been motivation, but you don't think Lukaku wants to score on United? I said after they made week. him look like, like mm-hmm. they made him look like he was complete trash. And now he's back in his dream club. He's not going to score and go nuts. Like, yeah. come on. Players looked, live for moments like this. Like, this guy didn't sleep. Like, I don't know if he didn't sleep, but, like, he was anxiously waiting to get on that pitch. Like, you know he knew the moment that he signed for Chelsea when the first Man United match was. And yeah. it's just unfortunate that that you don't give that guy a chance to just rub it in their face like – it was you that was the issue, not me, because I'm here today back in the Premier League scoring on your ass. So I just I thought that was just a bit bit of a shame that he wasn't even given the chance to put up a fight. Yeah, it's a it's a bummer. I, I said it last week in our preview, too. Um, I thought he was going to score in this game if he started. I thought I thought he's definitely good for a goal or two. Maybe he wouldn't play the whole 90 minutes or maybe we get a good hour out of him. But we get an hour of just an absolutely top class top three striker in the world like we bought him for so it's frustrating and here's the thing going back to Timo really quick Andres like I'm gonna stick my feet in the sand here and say you know he's not Chelsea quality I I I just don't want to see him uh you know remain or I don't want to see him continue to get these chances time and time again um because I just I don't think he deserves them I think he could play guys like Cho guys like Ziyech who I've even talked shit about in the past who's come into his own now those guys are ahead of him in the pecking order. If I'm looking at Werner, he's dead last. Um, I- I'll play anybody ahead of him at this point. It's frustrating. And I like the guy. That's the worst part about this whole thing. 
It makes me miss Lukaku more than anything, too. <laughs> I mean, you can like a player and know that he's not Chelsea quality, right? Like, yeah, I love Nathaniel. I can, Chalaba. I can enjoy. I had I had a I deep, enjoy deep watching. rooted infatuation with him. <laughs> I can Sorry. enjoy watching St. Max at Newcastle and say I don't want him at Chelsea. You know, it's it's little things like that. Yeah, I have that feeling with Pedro yeah. Neto at Wolves. There's something about that there guy. There you go. Like watching him play. Anyway, we'll we'll move on to the big the big issue in this match, and it was missed opportunities. And and I can go one by one for you. Minute four. Alonzo headers the ball through to Cho. Cho beats a defender. He is left of the goal, slightly odd angle. Has the option to shoot. Has the option to square the ball to Timo. And here's the way I see it. Yes, props to De Gea for making a save. But if you're not going to square it, and then you roll the dice on Timo Werner to be able to score on an open net, or Juan Bissaka or, or Bailly to make a miraculous interception, you need to put that ball in the back of the net. And... This is where what I was referencing that I think is still missing in Cho's game. I'm not saying that it's impossible because to use an example from a different league, Vinicius Jr., who was allergic to hitting the frame, has had a monstrous season scoring this year. So obviously finishing is something that you can fix. He was playing against Cho, us, Andres. <laughs> Cho needs to put the ball like that ball needs to end up in the back of the net man city gets that chance they score liverpool gets a chance they score this one this one probably hurt the most out of all of them for me um i don't know if it's the same for you i can yeah. move on to the next one unless you have something to add on on the cho chance no i'm gonna tell you why this one hurt more than most because if cho scores that goal we put three or four past united and they absolutely crumble crumble i don't think there's a chelsea fan out there that doesn't feel the same way the way we started that game the first 20 25 minutes the pressure the chances i know ziash had a chance on a turn uh where he hit it with his right foot and he didn't really get it clean enough um he was in the box too that's another missed opportunity but the chill one i don't have a problem with him taking the keeper on 1v1 i want my attackers to have the confidence and the fuck you mentality i'm gonna get mine um but on the other hand if you're Cho, why be cute with the finish? What's with these cute finishes and these, you know, younger footballers these days? Whatever happened to just smashing it near post or lifting it over the keeper's leg with a little bit of pace? It, it For me, it's more, I think we're just looking for that photo finish. You can make the same argument with Rudiger at the end, but you could also say that that's just Rudy's personality and when he hits the ball, it stays hit. But, you know... Relax a little bit and, and 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 pick your spots, you know, be smarter with your finishing. For me, it's more a matter of Cho gets his opportunity in front of goal and then sort of second guesses himself. I don't know whether to just kind of lay this one into the side netting or to go near post or what. In that situation for me, Andres, you, you got to lift it. I think you got to lift it over De Gea's leg. You know he's going to go down. He's going to sprawl. You pray that one of his hands, one of his fingers don't get a nick on it and then it squeezes through. I think that's the only way you score that goal. I don't like the idea of this whole, you know, I'm clean in on goal. I'm going to nestle it into the side netting and peel away for my celebration as the ball's going. Fuck that. Whatever happened to just smashing it in that kind of situation? Yeah. That For yeah, me, that was frustrating because you know United's going three or four down. You know it. No, and, and uh, the other part, even if they don't, like, at that point, the the game plan for United goes to trash, right? And Ronaldo comes on at four, the half. Three. Yeah. yeah, the 4-3-1-2 was played to literally do what they achieved, which was clear the ball from a Chelsea possession and hope that the speed of Sancho and Rashford wins us the ball. That was literally the tactic. And if you score first, it's over because the United just wanted to get a point. Playing they zero, never zero. intended to get three. Yep. They never intended to get three points at the bridge. They're not in that position. They're in eighth place. Chelsea's in first. 
that you're not stupid enough to come into the bridge and, and try to win when you don't have the facilities for it. But yeah, a, a early goal and this game is completely over. But again, it, it wasn't that wasn't the only bad one because we talked about Timo earlier and I believe this one was early in the second half. Yeah. Um, corner comes in one of 15, by the way, <laughs> and ball kind of gets hit once and it falls so quite nicely to Timo in the back post. And I don't mean the back post where you have to like immediately cross it back in. I mean the back post to where if Timo's looking dead ahead of him, a good chunk of the goal is in his path. And the way he settles the ball, a normal person just hits it with their weak foot with the left. Instead, Timo does the thing that like little kids do when they're like eight years old and are thinking they're one-footed. And he readjusts his whole body to be able to hit it with his right. And it wasn't just to smash it in front of him. He also tries to go far post across a crowded box. Mm -hmm. And he misses the target, which is the part that pissed me off. It wasn't the, like, that's the part that kind of like nail on the coffin or whatever because okay you adjust your right foot put it on the fucking target you're eight yards away tops it's not a matter of timo being one of those players that's just having shit luck and he's coming up against you know world-class keepers every week and you know keepers and defenses are putting performances in it's he's getting himself in positions and and just completely fucking it up (laughs) like yeah I don't think there's any other way to really say it. Just completely fucking it up. It's a it's a frustrating thing. I think Andres, when you look at all of the elite finishers, or at least the great finishers in world football and around Europe, throughout history, whatever, they're early finishers. They hit the ball early. They don't take three, four, five touches in the box and then wait for that perfect window. And that's what I mean about trying to hit, trying to score that perfect goal. It doesn't have to be beautiful. Go look at drug. Go look at all of Drogba's career goals for Chelsea. Yes, he had some beautiful ones, but he had a lot of garbage goals too that were in the box, that were ugly, that were off balance, where he's falling over or stumbling over, but he hits it early when he catches the defense and the keeper off their line and off their mark. That's the key here. Our problem is we get the ball in the box and we either make an extra pass too many or an extra touch too many. It needs to, that decision, that final decision needs to be made quicker. I think that's something that needs to be harped on, but that's also something that a guy like Lukaku can fix. You know, Lukaku, when he gets the ball, it's one, two touches and bang, it's either a pass and he's away making a run or he's taking a shot at goal. The same thing when you have Pulisic in the box as well. He's a player that doesn't necessarily tend to hold on to the ball too long, right? He does it at times, but he has that ability to just take a touch, bang, have a shot at goal. Everybody's off balance. That's why it goes in. I think these other players need to kind of take a page out of their book and do the same. I think that's another reason maybe why Ziyech hasn't really gotten on the score sheet either. He tends to take maybe one to touch too many in the box as well. But his game is more predicated on his playmaking. But Either way, you make that argument for all of our attackers, Kai Havertz included, mostly Timo Werner, but it's just one touch too many. We need to hit the ball earlier, first or second time. Why not? We're in the box. It'll take a deflection. It'll either go out for a corner or we'll nick a goal. Yeah, and and people may like, oh, well, he's taking a touch to set up a better shot. It's like, yeah, but when they take that extra touch, and and this is the part that people don't think about very often – the keeper now knows what exactly what you're doing, and that gives him that extra bit of time to position himself. And that's the thing, like, I remember one of my coaches growing up told me when he was a keeper, it's like, you take that extra touch, the keeper sets his feet, and then he has, like, all the power to dive and reach for the shot. If yeah. you shoot early, Could when the keeper's thinking, yeah, the keep, that's why, that's where those goals, like, that go right next to the keeper's feet, or you nutmeg the keeper, and you're like, whoa, that looked savable. It's like, actually, no, because no. <laughs> it's a reaction time thing. If you take yeah. if you take the extra touch, keeper gets on his toes and gets ready to move. If you don't, he has to awkwardly try to make something happen, and and that's what happened in both of these chances. Now, our final chance, Rudiger, the ball falls to him, 90th minute, 
he had already gotten a shot earlier that you thought was going to go in, but they had tipped it right into the crossbar. Man, I was ready to celebrate so hard. I was ready to celebrate so hard. And the only thing I can say is, like, I'd rather – and you talked about the way Rudiger hits the ball. He whacks it so hard every time, no matter what. But here's where I guess it's like I'm maybe more pragmatic in this. Again, situation is a crowded box. You're inside the box. Just hit the target. Just hit mm-hmm. the target. If De Gea blocks it, good for him. He did his job. If it somehow gets deflected, it still has a chance of going in. We've seen it before. But at least you're giving yourself the fighting chance. You put the ball on target and good things can happen. Rebound, deflection, mistake, handball. You sky it to the 10th row of the Matthew Harding upper. It's done. Play's yeah. dead. So... I, Tenth. Sure. I don't. I, I don't think that ball hit the ground yet. I think it's in orbit <laughs> somewhere. But the 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 point is like, you mentioned trying to get the pretty shot, and Rudiger must be obsessed with like hearing the net rattle or something. But in that one, you have to have a little bit more composure. Sure, give him a pass. He's a center back, not a striker. But man, like, fifteen corners, thirteen chances. And the only goal we scored in the day was a penalty kick. A, a, a nice penalty. Something you said, <laughs> okay, Andres. Zach, you're missing the point. Oh, yeah, yeah. But here, here, here's the thing with Rudy, and, and here's the part that hurts so much. Um, if he scores that, he gets he gets to name his price, and he gets the contract next week. He already. <laughs> <laughs> As if he didn't do enough already. But at that point, Marina would have been like, okay, we'll give you whatever you want now. You got us a winner against United. Um, look, I'm I'm not as fussed with the Rudy miss as I am about the Cho one yeah. or, or or the Timo one. I think that's the bottom line. I, I, again, we've always harped on every podcast how much we've gotten out of our defenders in, from an offensive standpoint. Um, you know, I think that's going to continue. But again, can't really blame us. You know, be that mad at a center back missing an opportunity when we have strikers and goal scorers slash playmakers missing point blank opportunities. Um, so, so, so that's really where it comes down to ultimately, but it just sucks. You were I really say something I, about the penalty. Uh, I didn't want you to lose that thought. You said it was a, that I said something. Oh the yeah. Yeah. Was yeah, really yeah. Nice. Well, it's just off topic about Jorginho. You said uh, J five buries that penalty. J eight misses it. I like that. Oh, um, that was, uh, that was our <laughs> buddy Amir actually. Uh, our buddy Amir, he actually sent a question last week regarding RLC. Um, we have a group text with a friend who's Italian, and he was saying, man, of course, been. Jorginho. Of course, Jorginho buries this one, but can't bury the one against uh, Switzerland. And uh, our friend Amir corrected. He's like, well, that's the difference between J5 and J8. I thought <laughs> that was hilarious. Um, yeah, and, and again, Jorginho... I don't even want to get into it because I know people are going to overreact on Twitter. He made a mistake. It was a bad call to do that. Stupid. I don't think he does it again. Are we Are we uh, going to – can I mention something quickly about that? And maybe – I know yeah. you're going to have something to say about it too. It's not in a script. But um, we talked about Tuchel and the substitutions. What about the fact that Jorginho was playing last man on a corner kick? And the okay. next closest player to Jorginho <laughs> is Cho. And and and, and yeah. the second Jorginho flapped at it, Sancho took his first touch, and it didn't even take Sancho till his second touch before Jorginho was like, "Yeah, it's not happening." So that was gonna be my thing. It's you're telling me that we're and and, and if you noticed actually after that mistake, he was no longer the the last man. I just yeah, want to point yeah. that out. Yeah, but you have now seen for I think it was what when when did Sancho score fiftieth? What I, I don't remember the exact moment. Yeah, fifty something, um, fifty five. Yeah, here I'll pull it up real quick. It was the fiftieth. So you had a full half of football 
with 70% possession, where United told you basically, yeah, I'm not, I'm not planning on playing football today. I'm going to try to hit you on the counter over the top, which they tried multiple times. And if one of those works, great. Now, why in the world are you going to put your slowest, least physical player in a position where he may need to get into a foot race? It's dumb. It's dumb. I, I, I don't know what else to say. I, it, it's just dumb. Yeah, it's stupid. And it's also stupid of Jorginho to try and play out of the back like that. I think I, I think if you have a – if you have – Dude, it, it could honestly be anybody, even if it's Alonzo back there. They hoof it. They just clear their lines. Who cares? Manu gets possession. We're going to get it back anyway, so what? I, and, and for me, that was part of the frustration, but more so it was like, like you said, Andres, we had 70% possession. Why are we chucking everybody into the box in the 50th minute? It's not time for that yet. You leave one or two players back. If anything, if you don't want to leave a defender there, fine. I know some managers do that. They prefer to just go for raw pace. That's fine. Throw Cho back there. At least he has the pace and the and the know how to or the, the pace and the ability to track back. But anybody but Jorginho is the point. RLC even. I just it really doesn't make sense. I think you put a defender there or a defensive-minded player. First of all, they don't have the confidence that Jorginho has to bring the ball down and try to play out of the back as the last man, but they just hoof it and clear the lines. Why not? It just, it, it just felt like it felt like we were throwing too much too early at that point, and it was it, and it was just such a useless goal to give up. Like you said, it was just stupid. It's useless. We walk away with three points, and we're talking about this match way differently. If that doesn't happen, yeah. you know what we're saying? If that doesn't happen, we got three points and Lukaku hardly played and we lost Conte and Mount still hasn't even come back into the team. And we're talking about how well we're performing without all these guys. But no, you know, mistakes happen again. We're not down on Jorginho. Andres, I know you agree with me. He's going to come good and I want to see him start next game. Um, I mean, I, I don't think we have much of an option. Kovic well, yeah. is still not back. Conte's not back. And they sure as hell you're not starting Saul and RLC together. But, but either um, way, before... you go on Twitter and people are just really quick to forget how brilliant he is. Oh, of course. And, and yeah. goodness. I mean, yeah, Twitter is a whole other sphere. I mean, the, the guy is nominated for Ballon d'Or and you have Chelsea fans who wouldn't be happy if he won. But regardless, before we move, move before we move on to Watford, um, our buddy Russell Saunders at Mr. Grumpy Oz wants to poke the bear a little bit here. And he says, Mendy passing, dot, 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 discuss. That's why he isn't world-class, as some Chelsea fans like to call him. We're lucky that Fred was so shit that we didn't lose that match on the back pass. Now, Russell, here's what I, I want to say. Fred is just a gentleman. Just a nice guy. He, he's just a super nice dude. Accidents happen. He said, you know what, Mendy, here, here you go, man. I know you didn't mean to. Try again. Why pass it to Cristiano? That's not fair. Here you go, Mendy. <laughs> yeah, let me take it with my weak foot and try to chip you, who are a ginormous human being. But anyway, sure, Mendy's passing is not world-class, but last time I checked, we pay him to use his hands. And I really don't care if my keeper isn't going to be prime Xavi or Iniesta with his passing. I don't. Just get it done clean it up like that was a bad mistake i'm not gonna walk like say it wasn't but like get the ball out of your feet and get it to the right person i don't need it to be a perfect pass i don't need it to be an 80 yard through ball that leads to a goal like get your clean sheet and get the ball to feet that's it that's all i need from the keeper it does feel a little nervy when he gets the ball to feet and i know those some chelsea fans that he's alluding to is definitely us um, Russ is really quick to mention whenever Mendy makes a mistake with his feet and, and fair play. I get it. I know that he doesn't tick every box for the quote modern goalkeeper now where, you know, you're, you're basically a midfielder with the ball at your feet. Mendy's not, he's far from it. And that's fine. I think the shot stopping ability completely outweighs his ability with his feet. And here's the thing. 
He doesn't make these mistakes every match, and these mistakes aren't costing us matches. Um, the funny thing is our goalkeeper that does have good feet made mistakes with his hands, and those cost us matches. So, so we we can't have we can't have both, unfortunately. But the bottom line is this this just isn't something that's going to happen every week. And uh, so I'll just I'll just it's put a stupid it this way. mistake. I rather... I, yeah, I, I, I rather my keeper make a mistake with his foot than with his hands. Yeah, that's my point. And, and I think the other thing here, Andres, is talking about more so his decision-making than his ball-playing ability. Maybe knowing what your limits are and knowing when to hoof the ball and when to not. If it's too tight of a pass to squeeze and it's too risky of a pass to squeeze, just hoof it up the pitch. The same argument that, that I just made for Jorginho. That's just as fine. It's the same thing. It's a clearance. You're clearing your lines when there's too much pressure. So what? You reset, you get the ball back. I know it's late in the game and we want to play out and blah, 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 blah. But we've seen him make these mistakes before earlier in matches when, you know, in the first half even of matches. And in those situations, maybe just better decision making. It's not necessarily being a poor ball player or whatnot. I think any goalkeeper under the right amount of pressure makes a mistake with his feet. You're a goalkeeper with the ball at your feet. That's the most nervy thing ever. What's more nervy than being a goalkeeper with the ball at your feet and a, and a striker pressing uh, pressing you? What's more nervy than that? Uh, just boot it. Just boot <laughs> it. I, 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 I'm such a pragmatic when it comes to that. But anyway, Russell, I know that that's your usual question to, to poke the bear. Sorry that Psalm's not here to really get him worked up. But um, we have a match midweek because it's December, which means that we'll be playing twice a week for the rest of the year. And going into January, going into the Club World Cup, which we are a part of indeed. But anyway, it's Watford. We're away on Wednesday. Watford's won two of their last 16, or of six, excuse me. They're 16th on the table. Um, Emmanuel Davis right now is their hot hand. He's got five goals, uh, five assists, 12 appearances. Dennis. And Dennis. I don't even know what I said. I know Davis. I said it wrong the moment I Yeah. <laughs> Watching too much Lakers, Andres. I don't watch the Lakers. I don't even know an Emmanuel Davis, so I don't know how I got there. But anyway, <laughs> Ismaila Sarr, who is the name that most people recognize in Watford's attack, is out right now. Yeah. So, first off, Zach, are we going to see a weird lineup or are we going to go to a strong 11 for this midweek? No, I think we go with a strong 11. We go with the same system, the same mentality. We start Lukaku up top. Either Pulisic or Mount comes back into the fold. I expect to see one of them for sure. I expect to see Alonso back at wing back. I won't be surprised if we see Dave in this match. Um, but one thing I do want to say, maybe you could kind of bounce off of it and take it away, is you know, as 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 poorly of, as we spoke of the team last match in terms of just completely missing out on opportunity. I know it wasn't a loss, but it felt like one. But the reaction of the players after the match, the frustration on Rudy's face, the frustration on Tuchel's face, the frustration on everyone's face as they were walking off the pitch really only tells me that Watford is in for a bare bottom spanking on Wednesday. I think the mentality of the team is going to be right going into the match. If history shows us anything, it's that after a tough result under Tuchel, we bounce back and we usually go on a decent run. So I'm expecting the same here. I think uh, I think we come out with a really strong side. I think we come out on fire. Nothing different than what we've seen the last two matches in the first 20, 25 minutes where we see a lot of high pressing. We see a lot of balls in the box. A lot of our best opportunities are probably going to come in the first 20 to 25 minutes. So if we don't want to get into a Manchester United situation, um, where, you know, we give the other team an opportunity to make it a game, uh, we got to put our chances away early. So if we can do that, yeah. I think I think it's comfortable two, three goals, and we're away with three points. Yeah, I, I expect three goals, and I know maybe you don't communicate it directly this way to the players, but in about a month's time, if not sooner, we lose our keeper. And... This uh, the, the African Cup of Nations doesn't only affect us. Liverpool missed their two best attackers. And Liverpool's also two points behind us. So for me, Tuchel needs to find a way of emphasizing how important this December is. Because if we can still keep a decent gap between us and Liverpool, mind you, Man City's only a point behind 
um, and they will be losing Riyad Mahrez as well. If we can make sure and uh, that we keep this top of the table spot going into that tournament, I think that has to be the motivating factor here. I, I, I don't know how you do that as a manager. And good luck to Tuchel to not be basically saying like, hey, we're going to lose our keeper for four to six games. But we're still top of the table going into December. The The November scaries are done because something always bad happens to Chelsea in November. Hopefully it's just this 1-1 one, one draw. But yeah, it, it's time to spank teams again. And yeah, especially earlier this month, because again, congestion of fixtures is coming. And I, I mean, I'd be more than pleasantly surprised if we win every match, but it's tough. It's tough because it is a lot of matches being played. It's a lot of rotation. We still have one more Champions League game in the middle of all this in Russia. We do have so, to mention also the Club World Cup. So there is going to be rescheduling. I think they're talking about the Arsenal and Brighton matches, which means that they're probably going to be rescheduled in between other Premier League matches. So a lot of quick turnarounds this season. Sorry to cut you off, Andres. Yeah. No, you're good. So so my point is, like, sure, it's Watford 16th place, blah, blah, blah. Like, it should be a walk in the park. Sure, it should be if if you have the right mindset. Because you beat Watford and you show your, your poise again. And now West Ham sa- Saturday isn't thinking oh, we're going to get Chelsea while they're down and, you know, come in with any hope. So, again, it, it's – it's uh, hopefully – we and we haven't lost a match in, in forever, it feels like, since, like, begin late, late September. But you can't give any team at this point that's trying to capitalize on any Chelsea mistake an ounce of hope. The moment yeah. – if Chelsea go back to winning ways, the easier this run of – games is is gonna get and i think that watford has to be the beginning of of getting back into that like fifth gear i think to sum it up uh if 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 history tells us anything the teams that perform the best in this period are usually the teams that take the title so this is going to be crucial um obviously picking up points when they need to be picked up and watford's a game where We expect nothing less than three points. Um, So with that being said, that does kind of bring us to the end of the show, uh, or at least this edition of the show. We will be recording after the Watford match as well, so we can get a quick preview for West Ham. Um, So make sure you're also looking out for that episode. We are on Twitter, if you're not following us already, at Roman's Empire Pod. And uh, that's that, Andres. Well done today. Um, See you next week, and keep the blue flag flying high.